the grace, the grace and peace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all and welcome to the Wake Forest Church of the Nazarene where we have gathered together under this bright and glorious morning to worship our God, to offer to him our prayers and our praises and to receive from him his bountiful, all-sufficient grace. A special welcome to those who are joining us uh, online. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, for those who are online and for those who are present, if you would like to sing along with us, we do have words uh, on a w internet link. Uh, there's a QR code right over here, but if you are on the, um, the uh, YouTuber, if you're there, you can, or here, if you go to the YouTube page, you can click on the uh, link at our YouTube page and uh, find uh, the, the lyrics for our songs this morning. Uh, Couple of announcements before we get started. Well, one largely, uh, we will be online next week, so don't show up here. Uh, take the morning and, and enjoy the air conditioning, and we will be back here in two weeks. That is August 9th, I believe. Somebody can correct me. Next week is August 2nd, August 9th. So we will see you all back here then. Um, we are in the midst of a compassion fund drive to, to uh, bring up our compassion budget, so I would keep ask you to Keep mindful of that. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we go to the before the Lord in prayer. And now, Almighty God, to you all hearts are opened and all desires known. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that on this day we may worthily magnify your holy name and worship you in spirit and in truth. This we ask in the gracious and powerful name of Jesus our Lord. Let us worship the Lord this morning. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in, now I surrender, I surrender. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. 
shining light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. River, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. one who's been forgiven I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid I know my name is clear before my father I am his child and I am not afraid so greatly pardoned, I'll forgive my brother. The law of love, I gladly will obey. I then shall live as one who's learned compassion. I've been so loved that I'll risk loving too I know how fear builds walls instead of bridges I'll dare to see another's point of view and when relationships demand commitment then I'll be there to care and follow through. Your kingdom come around and through and in me. Your power and glory, let them shine through me. Your hallowed name, oh, may I bear with honor. And may your living kingdom come in me. 
the bread of life Oh, may I share with honor And may you lead a hungry world through me Let us pray. Glory be to you, God our Father, uplifted and upheld by the praises of seraphim. O Lord, on this morning we join our voices with all of the heavenly hosts to declare that you are the giver of life and love, compassion and understanding. That you are the one who brings justice and mercy. That you uphold the righteous and that you lift up the humble. O Lord, on this day we praise you for your many and manifold acts towards us. We praise you, O God, for the gifts of creation and sustenation of life. We praise you, O Lord, for this company that we can gather in. We praise you, O Lord, for the beauty of the earth and the wondrous mysteries of the heavens. We praise you, O God, that in the fullness of time you sent forth Jesus to be our Lord, who lived a life of perfect example who offered up his body on the tree and rose again in great glory and triumph. Oh, Father, we praise you that in his name we find salvation and sanctification and that by his power we are empowered to live as your disciples. Oh, Father, make us be your disciples. Allow us to live out your peace and compassion, your grace and your mercy wherever our feet may fall. Today, O oh Lord, we do pray for your church. We pray for the church of the Nazarene. We pray for those churches wherever people are gathering in your name and proclaiming your word this day. May your spirit be with them. May your spirit of unity take hold with them. May our foundation of our one faith and one baptism, the one Father of all in you, may that hold us together, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh God, for those who are hurting this day, for those who are in trying and difficult circumstances. I pray, O oh God, that you will give them your peace of your spirit. I pray, O oh God, for those who are sick. We are especially mindful of those who are being ravaged by COVID in our community and across our country. We ask, O oh God, that you would bring healing in the name of Jesus. And now, O oh Lord, as we are expecting you to do something great in our midst. We are expecting you to show up and revive us and give us life. We are expecting you to open up pathways where there seems to be locked doors. We are expecting you to, to make a road in the wilderness that rises up to meet us and those mountains before us to be crumbling and falling. We are expecting, O oh God, for you to lead. May we walk in the boldness of faith wherever that path may go. And may we trust in you to deliver us safely into your promised kingdom. It is in the name of our living King, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray, even as we pray as he taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen and amen. If you have a scripture this morning, I would invite you to join me in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49. I I did not mention uh, at the beginning, but we do have two uh, offering buckets up here at the front on the side. If you want to make use of those as you leave, you'll have to get past Jane and uh, uh, Kogan. She's guarding the the one back there. Uh, She is responsible for filling it up if we do not make our weekly goal. So have compassion on her. Isaiah chapter 49. Hear now the word of the Lord. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. Now the Lord said, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord. My God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think I'm going to move just a couple of feet over here, if that works out okay. Just to spare myself a little bit of the glare from the sun, try to be mindful of, of where people are sitting. Uh, every church that I have pastored, there have been people deeply invested. There have been those people who show up early and stay late and unpack the chairs and put up the sound equipment. They, they hold on to things and are, are passionate about their church. I, I was actually contacted just this week by a couple that I pastored in Adelthorpe, Britain. Adelthorpe's a small little country town uh, in Lincolnshire. Uh, a little small Methodist church there. I was one of four churches that I pastored. And, and uh, Stuart and Jackie, if you're watching, hi. Uh, Adelthorpe had an active puppet ministry, and in one of the nicest gifts that anyone has ever done, they, they made a puppet in my vision, vis, vis, visage, that it had big hair and a little, little clerical collar, and, and there was one song we did on my last Sunday at that church where I got to, to work the puppet and failed at it. There are people like Stuart and Jackie here that, that lean in and hold on, that push and, and are passionate. They, they're there and they sustain through pastoral transitions. They, they haven't always loved what's going on, but they have loved and they have prayed and they have stuck with it. And sometimes there's this thought that, that, that we're just going to, you know, we, we love you, pastor, but, but we'll be here before you were, you, you were here before you were and we'll be 
uh, here after you are gone. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That, that's this kind of deep commitment. And, and there's something right about that. There, there's something good about finding a place and a people and loving those people and being committed to them. I, I've been in North Carolina for, uh, for 13 And I've met people uh, that are deeply passionate about North Carolina. Would it help if I switched microphones? Okay. That are deeply passionate about, about North Carolina and, and about the, this place where they are. Uh, and there's something right in that. To, to be caring their place of being, who love their town and who are committed to it. Go to a public hearing when a developer's talking about a new development and you will hear people ask questions and get angry and stand in line and yell about parking and, and traffic and, and uh, affordable housing. They're, they're concerned about their homes and their values. They are invested. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but, but 2020 is an election year. And there are people that are fired up and they care about the, the direction of the nation and they're, they're going to get upset if their team doesn't win and they're going to unfriend people on Facebook if, if they say something they don't like. We are passionate about these things. And, and on a level, a certain proportionality, that's good and that's right to, to care about our country and the directions it's heading and, and to be concerned about your taxes and clean water and clean air. It's good to care. If you have your Bibles open, I, I want to show you that I think that according to God, that this kind of love for your family and for your home and for your country is, is okay. It's, it's good. Verse 5. And now the Lord said, Who formed me in the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. The one who formed me to restore Jacob to God and Israel to himself. Uh, last week we were in Isaiah 42. And we started talking about how the people of God told their story in exile. How they didn't come up to God like, like there was some kind of metaphysical smorgasbord. Like, like they show up at the, the golden corral of theology to, to sample which kind of God they wanted. They, they didn't do that. They didn't pick out Yahweh between the chocolate wonderfall and the, the yeast rolls. God chose them. God selected them. God claimed them. God came to them. God captured them. Just like poor little Jonah, they were doing everything they could get to get away from God. And God's hand of righteous redemption tracked them down and laid claim to their life. They have been captured by a particular story. They have been captured by the love of God that will not let them go. That's the same for us. We have been captured by this God. He found us when we were nothing, when we were lost in our sins, and He loved us until we turned and brought us into a family. Last week we looked at the first of what's called the uh, Suffering Servant Songs. Passage of 
uh, the second part of the second part of Isaiah. And they are this fascinating place where Judah finds itself in exile. They, they find themselves broken and away from their home, from the promises. And by all accounts, their story should have ended there. That, that should have been the end of the people of God. That should have been the end of, of Israel and Judah. But God finds them in this place and he says, I'm not done with you yet. But even as God says this, God brings something different to the table. All the while, Israel had been telling its story about it's going to conquer and, and be powerful. That it would rule the world in the same way that all the other people in the world rule the world with power and might. That they would conquer the world for God. But here in exile, as the Spirit of the Lord moves through Isaiah, they, they start hearing a different story. They are still chosen by God. But they have been chosen to be in the world in a way that the world does not understand. A people who have been captured. Captured for the sake of the world. These servant songs start telling this story. They start giving them a way to narrate their life. Certainly they are pointing at, at some time later in the future to, to that distinctive and quality that comes in Jesus Christ who will inhabit all of these suffering servant songs in a, a powerful way. Jesus who will give up his life for the sake of the world. But the servant songs in the Old Testament causes Old Testament scholars to start wondering who was this prophecy spoken to immediately? Who, who was the actual object that, that Isaiah is preaching to and calling forth here? Who is in the minds of the people who first hear this story? And, and there are some possibilities that people go to. It could be someone like Hezekiah or Zerubbabel. It could be some kind of king or prophetic leader. But most scholars think that when Israel is hearing this story, when they are preaching this message... What they're thinking about is actually themselves. That they are the ones who have been captured and chosen. That they are the ones that are the child of God. That, that they are the ones who will live out these suffering servant songs. It's about them as a people. There's a problem with that though. Right here, I, verse 5 says... I have chosen you to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered. I have chosen Israel to save Israel. I have chosen Jacob to save Jacob. Be like me coming to you and saying, I have chosen JJ to save JJ. I have chosen the Wake Forest Church to save the Wake Forest Church. Now, that's not usually how salvation works, right? Usually salvation is something that comes outside of us. Salvation is the lifeguard running in slow motion down the beach. Salvation is the firefighter climbing up to the tree to rescue the kitten. If you're drowning, you don't save yourself. If you're a scared kitten, you don't get out on your own. You need someone outside of you. We get this. There's this thing called the, the royal we. So sometimes Yvonne will tell me, I think we need to take out the trash. And she doesn't mean we, she means, she means you. 
Put down the controller, go take out the trash, do something, you worthless husband. Sometimes I, I'll be preaching and I'll say, I think we need to start being a church more. I'm church every Sunday. I'm clearly talking about you. You need to be a church more. That royal we. In this sense, God is raising up Israel to take care of Israel. Especially in this place when they are in exile, when their life has ended, when they feel that their children are being swept away by Babylon, when they are fearful that they are losing everything of significance and everything is changing and they have no hope and no future. And the Lord says, I get it. Your heart is broken because your children are all over the place. I, I get it that you feel like your institutions that you care about are crumbling around you. I get it. And so I have redeemed you. I have captured you. I have raised you up to take care of those things. To, to redeem Jacob so that you can redeem Israel. It is, it is right and it is good to be passionate about those kinships and that community. About those locations that are so important to you. It's right because earlier the servant was saying, I've done the work that I can and it didn't even matter. It's all falling apart. And God says, no, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten your kids or your community. I haven't forgotten your plans that you had made. I have raised you up to care for that. And so it's good for us as the people of God to care for those places and those things and our families and our kinships. And then verse 6 happens. And verse 6 messes everything up. God says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant. I will give you as a light to the nations. I, I raised you up, God says. I know you care about your children. I know you care about your families. I know you care about your institutions and your communities and your tribes. And I've raised you up to care for those things. But here's the thing. It's not enough. It's not enough to be focused on that. This is the line, my friends, that, that needs to capture us. And we have to be careful because sometimes when we start reading Scripture and we'll hear this phrase, we'll hear something else, we'll hear, you are not enough. And that's not what God is saying. Some of you were raised in families of origin where where your parents and, and your guardians kept that carrot of affection always out in front of you, always goading you, just do more, get a better grade, excel farther, push yourself. If you just do more, then I will love you. If you just work harder and score better. But what they're really saying in those moments is that you're not enough as you are. You need to change. And we grow up in that place and we start to think that that is how God looks at us. 
That God is always waiting for us to excel, to do better, to, to achieve more, to give more. Then God's love comes to us. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I love people like that in my church. I need people like that because they make altar calls so easy. They're eager to do something to win the love of God. But that's not what God is saying. What God is saying is that the imagination that only your family, only your community, only your tribe would be blessed, that is not enough. That is not the imagination, that is not the vision, that is not the hope that fits with the Lord, the God of all creation who sits enthroned above the heavens. Because His vision is to redeem all of creation. And so I get it, I love you Israel. I'm going to redeem you Israel. But that is far too shallow of a story. For what I have in mind is the redemption of the nations. Now, let me, let me tell you why this is going to mess us up. I don't know if you heard, but it's an election year. And in election years, it is right for us to be focused on the direction of our country. And it's right to be thinking about the economy and taxes and clean water. But, but here's the problem. We have a God who has spoken over us. It is not enough to only be concerned about your nation your economy, your security alone. It's not enough. We are shaped by an inward-focused rhetoric when we have been claimed by an outward-focused imagination. I love the passion you have for your neighborhoods, for, for your families, for, for your communities. The problem is we have another political imagination that shapes us. It's not enough to create a, a safe neighborhood for you and your friends, to, to put yourself first. When we are followers of God, we have been called to be a light to the nations. Therefore, we are these odd people who show hospitality to others, to people who don't look like us, to people who aren't from our neighborhoods, to people who don't share our social or racial economic lives, to strangers. In the words of scriptures, to sojourners and wanderers. It is right, my friends, to care about our church. To, to be members here and to be planted here and to be invested in the direction of this people and our hopes for the future. It is right that we pray for each other when they're sick. That when we get those emails on the prayer chain, we all stop. And even if it's just for a moment, for a breath, we mention them in prayer. That is right. It is right that we take care of people when they're sick in the hospital. We take them meals. It's right that we call and we pester when people haven't shown up in a while. It's right that we feel the angst and the loss when people can't come. But it's not enough. It's not enough just to be concerned with those who are here and safely in our family. We are called to be a people who are actually gathered here for people who aren't here yet. And those people who aren't here, they are our goal and our affection. Those are our, our place of, of care and concern. We reflect this in our values. We, we have a value of welcoming people welcoming those who are here and greeting one another in the name of the Lord and having that 
community that's so important, but also of welcoming others, of welcoming those who aren't here, of welcoming those who don't look like us, of welcoming those who, who we don't know yet. We have a, a value of bringing them in and tearing down obstacles, even those unintentional ones, so that they may find in this gathering a home. You know, there's a difference between being at home and being a guest, right? So when you're at home, I, I go to my house, and, and, and when you live in my house, you can, you can adjust the uh, thermostat. Well, except for one person in my family who's not allowed to adjust the thermostat anymore because they go down way too low, and then they get yelled at. But when you're home, you, you can do that. You can mess with the thermostat. You can, you can go into the refrigerator and get out a soda. You can, you can change the furniture. But when you're a guest... You, you can't do that. When you're a guest, no matter how hospitable people are, you always feel like you're just not quite there. I think our calling is to, to invite people to be home here, to be part of the family. It is right that we care for our friends and our family. It is right that we pray for them and, and hurt for them. But our lives are captured by this it's not enough. It is not enough for us to be people who only care for those like us. It is not enough for us to only be concerned with those who are around us. It is a far too light of things for us to survive the challenges of the present time just to maintain the things we have. It is not enough. We are called to be a light to the nations, to reach into the dark places that surround us, and to share the love and joy of Christ, to welcome in the hurting and the suffering. But for us to do that, for us to be that people, we have to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. We have to trust that Jesus is leading us into places we would rather not go. We have to find that sweet place of trust. We used to sing a song and go like this. I invite you to join me. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise. Just to know Thus saith the Lord Ben, will you lead us as we sing together? Jesus, Jesus How I trust Him How I prove Him all and more Jesus, Jesus Precious Jesus Trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to trust his cleansing blood. Just in simple faith to plunge me beneath the healing cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. 